Hello, everyone. You are on episode one of the new and improved Scarlet Nation podcast. This is John Otterstead here with Scarlet Nation, do everything, writer, editor, you name it, Bobby Darren. Hello, Bobby Darren. Hi, how you doing, John? Uh, so, Bobby, the last time we were doing something like this, we were just talking before we went on the air here, and we couldn't even remember how long ago it was. What do you think? You know, it's funny because we were doing a podcast and we were hot and heavy with it. Then all of a sudden, it seemed like podcasts were gone. Now they're back in in, uh, in fashion and trend and style, whatever you call it. So um, let's get it on. Yeah. I Back when we did it, you had to just listen to it on the website, which you'll be able to do this time around too. But I think you could listen to it on programs like iTunes, but we didn't know how to do it. <laughs> and that probably was the reason why we didn't get the the listeners that we were hoping for. But this time... We'll do it the right way. Uh, we'll put it on iTunes, Stitcher, um, all the different podcasting uh, places you can go to find your podcasts. And um, hopefully we'll build a base and go from there. Um, as I was talking to you earlier, I was saying this is going to definitely be a from humble beginnings situation because we are going to learn as we go. Um, you could see with the cheesiest of intro music ever <laughs> that I put on there that that won't last too long, but – it was something to play around with the first time through. But anyway, with no further ado, let's get to what we wanted to talk about today. And um, before you know, we really jump into the Rucker stuff, I wanted to get your sense, because you're the one who kept saying, let's do a podcast. So what is your vision for what this is going to be? I mean, you know, it's really pretty much a forum to talk about anything, football, recruiting, um, you know, what's the latest news. It's really a, another outlet so people can listen to it, stay up to date, and and really get the, the, the freshest take on everything going on with recruiting, Rutgers football, Rutgers basketball, Rutgers wrestling, whatever have you. Uh, we just want to keep people as informed as possible and, and give them a, another um, feature that they can look forward to every week, uh, presuming that, that – that, uh, our voices are somewhat enjoyable to listen to. Right. That's a big if. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I also look at it as an opportunity just to go through the message board and pick the topics that people are talking about and then give you an opportunity to expand more on it. And um, you know, you mentioned the, the possibility of bringing on some guests, which if we can figure out the technology behind that, and I think we can, that would be great. Um, yeah. Really, whatever people want to hear, we're going to try it. I think it's also we should also stress. I'm sorry, I forgot to mention, but we're going to have some former players, current players, coaches, uh, high school coaches, and, and even some message board posters to just you know involve everyone. So it won't just be you and I uh, bantering back and forth. You know, Sean Brown, Richie Schneiderite will be on with us. Uh, you know, from week to week. So uh, it, it'll be a, a complete and uh, jam packed session. You know, you mentioned the former players, and this week we're launching two new. Uh, features for this website, this one, as well as the Knights of the Roundtable. Can you talk a little bit about the Knights of the Roundtable? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's a really uh, interesting concept that, to get former players' takes on, you know, hot issues now. The first issue we're going to lead with is the, you know, the whole uniform craze, how it's changing so dramatically from year to year. And, you know, it was great catching up with some of the former players because, you know, these are guys I dealt with on a daily basis for a few years at a time. So we wind up talking about the issues and we usually wind up talking for another half hour just about things in general. So um, some real interesting points, some really great takes. And not only are we going to have that feature, but we'll have some uh, Scarlet Slant extras on, 
on the message board, you know, from other stuff that, that I spoke about with, with the guys. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep it fresh every week. There'll be new topics and new players each week, uh, speaking about it. And, uh, you know, a lot of the guys I talk to, they really miss, um, being involved, you know, talking football, stuff like that, because uh, it, it's so frequent. And all of a sudden, for, a, you know, a good amount of guys, it just ends. So, um, you know, they really enjoy being a part of it as well. Yeah, I hope that we could encourage them to also participate more on the roundtable, which is, for many of you know who are listening, are, is our premium message board on scarletnation.com. And so many of them pop in now and again, they read and you know, one thing I hear them often say is that they didn't know if it was appropriate for them to chime in on things. And to that, I say, of course, if you're out there listening right now and you're a former player, we'd love to see you on the site. We'd love to see you participate in the Knights of the Roundtable. And just if you see something that people are talking about on the message board, chime in and don't be afraid to let yourself be heard. Yeah, and I think a lot of the guys are more open to it now. You know, as you get older, you kind of have a different take on things. And that's why it's interesting to to – get their take on different situations as an older player, you know, as someone who's been through it or as an older guy who was a former player, I should say. Um, that's why I like to take a look back at recruiting with seniors every year and that recruiting rewind feature that we do during the season. It, it, people just have a different perspective on the way they went through recruiting, how it is now. And, and this is kind of similar in that, in, in, to that extent in that they have a, a totally different outlook on things. Of the guys you've spoken to thus far, who was the most talkative? Who was the one who you think would not only make a great person to be part of the Knights of the Roundtable, but maybe somebody you'd want to invite back to be on the podcast? Uh, you know, there's quite a few. I mean, of course, you know, some of the guys I thought of first were the guys I had the best rapport with, you know, uh, the Scott Valones, the Kevin Snyders, the Brandon Jones, uh, and even Ed Edmund Lorea I was talking to the other day. Um, you know, certain guys, uh, you know, just like I said, have a better rapport. So they, they would, you know, talk for you know, as long as we'd want them on there. But, um, you know, there's a whole bunch. I don't mean to just single guys out and alienate others or marginalize anyone because, um, you know, one thing that, that I have been fortunate enough to deal with is there has been a good core group of players year in and year out at Rutgers. You, I hear some other writers saying, oh, this guy, you know, gives me a problem. This guy is, and for the most part, everybody who has really been on the team in the last 10 years have been very cooperative and really never had any issues, um, you know, during interviewing or anything of that nature. Nature. All right. Well, we're talking about the message board and conversations. And one thing we want to do on this podcast is bring the message board onto the podcast. And there was a post by a gentleman named RU Fan EST89. I guess the EST is established 89. And he said, let's add some balance. What recruits or players surprised you with the positive impact they had? Who was the player that you were surprised we held on to? It may sound crazy, but I had no idea Janarian Grant would have the impact he has had. So let's go to his first question. I'm going to throw it back at you, and I'm sorry I didn't really give you time to think about this, and we may have to add some more back on the message board later. But uh, is there a recruiter, too, that when you think back since you've been covering the team that you didn't expect much from? And I, I don't want you to speak poorly about anyone in that regard, but you know, someone who might have just been another member of a recruiting class and really outperformed your initial expectations for them. You know, one guy that comes to mind is Jamal Murrow. Um, I went down to watch the Delaware All-Star game uh, before they came up that year. Um, it was Jamal Murrow, Jamil Murrow, and Deron Harmon, who had all played in the interstate Delaware uh, All-Star game. And, um, you know, Deron Harmon was phenomenal. I mean, from the first time I saw him, I thought this kid's really going to be a star. Um, Jamil Murrow was very talented, and it seemed like the coaching staff at the time wanted to get Jamil – 
so they went after Jamal too. Turned out Jamal was the better player. And when he came to Rutgers, he was about 180 pounds soaking wet. And, um, you know, really developed into a, a very good, uh, strong side linebacker. But at the time when you saw him come here, he was lanky, skinny. They tried him at like three different positions and then he finally settled in. And I think that's an example of a guy really taking some time to develop. Some people were writing him off early. He had a little bit of injuries, but he grew into his body and, and really became a, a, a very good, uh, and serviceable starting linebacker. And, uh, actually he, um, you know, didn't pursue professional football, but, uh, actually just became a state trooper in Delaware. Just a little side note, but um, I think at the time, if you if if you would have said, you know, out of him and his brother, which one would have been more successful? I would have said Jamil as opposed to Jamal, and uh, turned out to be the opposite. Now you mentioned Deron Harmon. He was a guy who I first saw at the National Underclassmen Combine. I guess he was a sophomore, and I had never heard of him before. He came up from Delaware. It was held, I believe, this edition of it was held in Waldwick at the bubble there, and. As soon as he started performing, I just was drawn over to his side of the room there, and I ran over to him afterwards, and it was actually the day of the Rutgers Junior Day, and a few of the guys who were there were actually going to stop down at Rutgers, even though they weren't juniors, and um, you know, I asked him if he was heading down there, and he wasn't at the time, and uh, I guess... My memory is a little hazy on this one, but I think he eventually hooked up with a couple of the other guys who were heading down that way, and uh, he stopped over there, and I guess the, the rest is history. Um, like I said, my memory is a little hazy on that one, but I just remember he came out of nowhere, and um, we covered him on the website. He made a big splash that day. He made a big splash at subsequent um, events, and... You know, as we all know, he ended up at Rutgers, and it obviously worked out well for him. It worked out for, well for the team. Yeah, you know, Duran's another one of my favorites to to talk to, and and I, I, you know, got to know him pretty well. I was actually talking to him the day before the NFL draft, and he was just hoping to get drafted. And and I, I said, you know, I, I think you know, you got a good shot of getting in there somewhere. And uh, he didn't expect third round, but um, it was really great to see that because he's a good kid, um, and and just someone who's really easy to root for. Now, Sean Brown on that question said that Devin McCourty was someone that I guess a lot of people didn't consider much coming out of St. Joe's. But I don't know if any everyone who saw him play in high school knew that he was going to be a good player. But the thing that stuck you know stuck out with him was, and actually both McCourty brothers is they were just so thin in high school, but they were you know exciting, exciting players for a St. Joe's team that was very, very good that year. And to me, it wasn't a surprise, but I could see why Sean and his response to that thread would say that Devin was a surprise. Right. And, and you know, that was just when I started to come along. So it was kind of in the tail end of that. So uh, I, I can't uh, repudiate or agree with that one. Yeah. And then you have Yes Rutgers 01, which is Kevin Haslam's father. Um, he mentioned that, you know, he, his quote was, woo, glad everyone knew Haslam was a future NFLer. <laughs> and, you know, he was another – I did not see that in Kevin. I I'd interviewed him a few times when he was in high school, and I thought he was a great kid. Um, but I wasn't really sure how dedicated he was to football. Um, he was the kind of kid you had talked to, but you wished him the best in life because he was just a, a good person. Uh, but I didn't, you know, I didn't see him having the success he did at the college level. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, you said it perfectly. Kevin is a kid who really just – um, worked hard, did everything right, and, and it shows how much dedication and, and hard work will pay off. Right. 
Now, the second part of the question that he had on the message board there was, who was the player that you were surprised we held on to? So I guess he's asking about just a player that you, you know you get those guys for, for when Wild Goose committed this year. You knew it was early. You knew other teams were going to come in. And you knew Rutgers would have a, a tough time holding on to him if other teams came in. Uh, but who's someone off the top of your head that you could think of that Rutgers got a commitment from, fought off maybe some other teams along the line, and you know just surprised you that they ended up with him? Uh, you know, similar situation. Josh Hicks uh, down there in Florida. Um, you know, very early commitment and, and stuck it out the whole way. I mean, he had some personal issues uh, back there as as it came out recently. You know, he had you know some kid issues there. He you know had a family back there, so it was tough to really leave and go all the way to Rutgers. I mean, nobody would have really faulted him for going closer to home, but he stuck it out and uh, you know had a significant amount of interest from other schools. I always thought he was a very talented player, but I was really surprised they held on to a Florida kid that long uh, with so much going on and other schools. You know looking in on him um that one was uh was really was really a surprise well let's keep it with recruiting and we're going to talk about the current recruiting class Rutgers has two commitments they've had two decommitments so far but let's focus on the positive for a moment uh you have Jalen Chapman a three-star quarterback out of Harbor City California you got Jarrett Paul a three-star defensive back out of Paramus Catholic in New Jersey what can you tell me about the two of them well, you know, Jared Paul's recruitment started a little slow. He transferred from Christ to King in New York. And, you know, had he been in Jersey, he might have had a few more offers, you know, earlier than, than later. And uh, he's a big corner. You know, uh, we saw him at the camp a, a few weeks back. And uh, it fits the mold of that Rutgers quarterback, uh, cornerback, how they, you know, like to play press coverage. And, and he moves well for someone his size, uh, can be physical. Uh, and it's good coverage skills, too. I, I think it's going to work out well for them. And moving on to Jalen Chapman. I just think, you know, there's so many quarterbacks in California that if you put him in a New Jersey high school, you know, he might be a top 10 kid in this class of 2018. Um, I think he's just a product of him getting overlooked because there's such a pool of talent out there. Uh, you know, the local schools only have one, one spot, maybe two for quarterbacks, and there's so many of them out there that he kind of fell through the cracks. You watch his tape, and, you know, he's very accurate, doesn't have the, the gun that you're looking for. And I think a lot of coaches maybe make the mistake of looking for guys with, you you know, those cannons of an arm, um, you know, that doesn't always mean they're going to be accurate. I mean, you and I have both know we've seen some kids at combines and camps, you know, throw, you know, rockets, but, that you know, they're not accurate at all. So what good is is it if you can throw the ball that hard, but you can't get it to where it needs to go? So uh, I, I think Rutgers really did well with Jalen Chapman. I think he could definitely be a guy that uh, goes on to do some good things and other schools will look back and say, why didn't we recruit him? Yeah, I like that Rutgers is looking outside its traditional recruiting area for a quarterback. Um, now, this is not the best sample size, but uh, a while back, I went down to Southern California for to help Dave Schumann out with the National uh, Underclassmen Combine. And so these, once again, it's all freshmen, sophomores. But this was at a time period where I was much more involved in going to recruiting events and much more involved in scouting, you know, the talent and seeing what was out there. And at this little event, it was the first time the National Underclassmen Combine went out there. I, I, if there was 70 kids at the entire Combine, that would have been a lot. It was a small group of quarterbacks. But the first thing I said to Dave at the end of the Combine was, every single quarterback here would be among the best in New Jersey. It was just 
unbelievable. And it was not a lot of kids. You know, when I asked the kids, are you hearing from colleges or, you, you know, are, when I checked them out to see if there were any early recruiting lists, they weren't because I think having these kids out that way that are uh, more refined, uh, more polished than the kids out this way, I think that's just more common. I think they spend more time working year round and um, it showed. Now that's changing out in New Jersey. You have uh, different quarterback schools, different trainers who are working with like Medea Williams is working with kids. So you're getting a higher quality quarterback these days. But especially if you went back a while ago, uh, you know, five, 10 years ago, there was a definite drop off when you left, you know, when you came to New Jersey from some of those other states. You know, and I think that also was at the surrounding states, you know, talk about New York, Pennsylvania, it wasn't a deep pool of quarterbacks. And, and that's part of the problem I think Rutgers had with uh, recruiting quarterbacks is they went after a lot of these local guys. And, you know, the, the, the pool of candidates that they had were, it wasn't very deep. So, uh, you know, they'd have to take some guys who, you know, otherwise might not have been in their top category. Now that they're going, uh, you know, national in recruiting them, they have a, lo- a larger selection. Yeah, I mean, there's certain years, if you go back since you joined the site, where we would attend the New Jersey recruiting events, and if you took the best quarterback in New Jersey, that kid wasn't necessarily a Big East or a Big Ten starting quarterback. So you could get the number one kid, and that wasn't really saying much. So Rutgers, you know, moving outside this area to, you know, broaden their search is a good thing. Yeah, you know, and um, I think that uh, that um, they, they, they really – have done well in expanding their recruiting grounds. Now, I said before I wanted to keep it positive for a while because unfortunately I have to turn it towards the negative a little bit because a big area of commentary on the roundtable message board is what's wrong with recruiting. So obviously, Rutgers has a nice start with two solid recruits and Chapman and Paul, but it's only two. And I think fans are expecting not only more commits at this point, but I think they're expecting some more news about Rutgers being in the top two or the top three or really having a, a good shot at some more of the top players in the region. Now, first, my first question is, is that a true assessment? And my second question is, why, if that's true? Well, you know, there, you know, it is slower this time around. I've never seen uh, so few commits at this time of year, but you have to remember that New Jersey's it's a down year for for New Jersey. Rutgers isn't doing well with a lot of kids from New Jersey, and you're coming off a two and ten season, which includes a seventy eight nothing loss. You know, th- these are tough things to overcome right away. And I just think recruiting cycles take a, you know, each one takes a different life of its own. And this one just looks like Rutgers is going to have to fill the class later rather than sooner. So, um, is there a need to worry? Some people might say yes. Some people might say no. But one thing that that can can provide a little bit of solace in this situation is that the staff has done a pretty good job identifying talent. Look what happened with Rashad Wildgoose. No offers at the time of his Rutgers commitment. Now now Georgia, Florida, you know, Wisconsin, all these schools are offering him and, and, and they really want him. So as long as they can evaluate that well and stick with the plan, I, I think they'll get some quality guys. But, you know, it's just going to take a little patience on a, from a fan's perspective. Right. And I think that you have a state here where it's kind of a what have you done for me lately mentality. So with that in mind, how many wins do you think Rutgers has to get this year in order to kind of turn that tide? 
I think they just have to show progress. I mean, two wins last year. You have to win a couple more games. You have to be a little bit competitive. You can't come out and, and play Michigan and, and not get a first down until halfway through the fourth quarter. Um, show some progress, and you can tell the kids on rebuilding this vision. If Chris Ash shows he's taking steps forward, then then his he's still selling his plan. You know, if you come out and lose, you know, ten games again and get drubbed again, you know, people are going to start scratching their head and say, "Is this really the right man for the job?" Now, are you a fan of like the graduate transfer and JUCO transfers and things of that nature to kind of build some quality playing players? Yeah, in, I, in a pinch. I, I am. I think it's a great thing for guys. You know, they get one more year at a different place. You know, there's a lot of reasons things don't work out for for one reason or the other. And and I think it's it's a quick way to plug some holes. I mean, look, you have Damon Mitchell, who is a backup at Arkansas, and automatically he becomes Rutgers' top playmaker on the offensive side of the ball. A kid can play, but uh, just wasn't given the right chance there. And, and it's going to work out well for him. It's going to work out well for Rutgers. And I think that's a, a way for Chris Ash to to kind of plug some of these holes up and and make the team competitive sooner rather than later. You know, I wasn't a fan of it at first because I thought, you know, that person is taking the spot of someone who could potentially be in the program for five years. Mm -hmm. But there's one thing we know about college football. There's a percentage of your recruiting class that's not going to make it past year one. And there's going to be kids who are not going to make it past year two and so on. So if you keep that in mind, knowing you're going to have some drop off, and then you take a guy who, let's face it, he is going to play. There's going to, you know, if you're taking a, a, or at least a very good shot of playing, if you take a guy for a fifth year, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't see the downside of it. No, it it could, like I said, it's immediate help. And yeah, you really hit the nail on the head when you get 25, 30 guys in a recruiting class, you know, not all those guys are going to be there at the time that these kids graduate as seniors. There's going to be guys that it just doesn't work out for it. It, it, it transfer out for other reasons. Injuries are going to hit. So, you know, really, uh, you're not really committed to all those guys for four years because things are going to happen and some of them are going to be gone. Well, Bobby, we are going to end it right there. We're, we thought we'd only do 10 minutes this first time out, and we're at 21 minutes. So oh, That's good. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully that we, this recording has actually worked, <laughs> and we'll be able to send it out to the fans. But um, everyone, if you're listening, we want to hear you talking on the message board or on our Facebook page or on Twitter. Let us know what you want to hear. Let us know who you want to hear from. Um, if Either of us are annoying you. I'm sorry. <laughs> we are not professional announcers, but we will try to bring in some great guests who will keep you occupied and entertained. Um, if you have any questions about how to access podcasts, if you're just listening from our website and you want to know how to use a program like iTunes or Stitcher or something like that, um, we'll help you. I'm sure plenty of people on the website will help you. Uh, we just want you to be part of this community in any way you can. and We value your time and just all the time you spend with us. Yes, thank you again, and and, uh, yeah, we'll see you on the message board, right? All right, take care, everybody.